Welcome to the Living a Nordic Life podcast, where we explore a simpler, cozier and more intentional life the Nordic way. I'm Fiona McKinna, your Nordic Living Guide and founder of Living a Nordic Life, where I share all things Nordic living and show you that a Nordic life is the way to bring intentional calm and healthy habits into your own life, wherever you are in the world. Are you looking for ways to bring simplicity, coziness and calm into your life? Well, let me show you how. Visit the Living a Nordic Life website to explore how I can help you on your journey to simple, healthy and happy calm, the Nordic way. You can subscribe to the podcast right here. And if you want regular inspirational emails sent with love from Norway and straight to your inbox, don't forget to subscribe to the Living a Nordic Life newsletters. And so now let's dive into our episode. Hello and welcome to this podcast and this one is really special because I'm not alone. I'm joined by Innes Batterton of My Nordic Garden. Innes and her husband Eric live and work in Ontario in Canada which is a very similar climate to here in the Nordics and they teach people how to design and build really beautiful edible gardens, kitchen gardens. They have an impressive array of experience Together, they've worked at botanical gardens, nurseries and farms all over Europe, honing their skills as talented and inspiring garden designers. Innes is a regional coach at Gardenery, specialising in kitchen gardens. And Eric designs and builds all the hardware for the gardens, from the beautiful trellises to their fabulous raised beds. In fact, between them, they design, plan and build your kitchen garden and even teach you how to take care of it. But not only that, Innes has created a beautiful range of calendars and kitchen garden planners. So you never need to wonder again what you should be planting or harvesting. So hi Innes, lovely to see you. Tell us a little bit about my Nordic garden and how you got started. Hi, thank you for this beautiful introduction. <laughs> okay. Yeah, my Nordic garden started in 2020 as a business. Originally, I only wanted to start with a blog documenting our a new kitchen garden here in Ontario. Because as you said in the introduction, Eric and I, we traveled in, a bit through Europe and we lived and had a garden in Ireland and in Germany. And then when we came here to Canada, like my husband is from Canada, that's why we ended up here. But the climate was very different and we were insecure of what to do and, and how to start the garden project and there was just nothing like that was really helpful for us for our region and the climate here out there we could use as uh, information and yeah and that kind of brought us to which is do things on our own and learn as we go oh and yeah and a, a year later we were at the point we had our garden out out there it was flourishing we had our polytunnel and I came across Gardenary and they offered a course to become a kitchen garden consultant and I was like you know what this is something I really love doing it is absolutely down my aisle and I was anyways like thinking of um 
yeah, reorganizing my career because I was a teacher before and that was just not what I wanted and couldn't do for a living. And then with relocating to Canada, it was a whole different story anyways. So gardening was the thing I loved doing. And then, yeah, I took the course and I became a, a kitchen garden coach and we started my Nordic garden. Yeah, I was uh, from the beginning taking care of the consultations and the designs and Eric um, joined in. He was, he said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to help you. That was the, the initial thought. Like, I'm going to help you starting the business. I can build. And yeah. And then that was the beginning of it. That was not just helping. So we're doing this together and he is in it full. Yeah. And this is basically a heartfelt project for us that turned into an our business and us having two little children and gardening and growing our own organic food became more and more important for us than it was in previous years. And with, yeah, the way the world goes and with climate change and everything, we noticed that a lot of people are yeah, having a, a change of mind and going in a different direction. They want to live more healthy and more sustainable. And this is exactly where we come in. We help families to create and also to maintain their own aesthetically pleasing kitchen garden because we want to create something that also looks nice and you want to be there. It's not the, the odd vegetable patch in the last corner of your yard. And we're there basically from the first consultation um, to the first harvest. This is what I, I always say. Like they're, they're not never alone in the process. And wherever like wherever they start from we pick them up and guide them towards a successful a garden because we kind of we have the whole array on offer from like the basic consultation to just okay you have to start your seedlings at at that and that date and then you plant them outside and the next patch then in, in may and so on and so on to helping people with delivering a full design even as far as like pollinator gardens um, that are always a part of our kitchen garden designs and to the whole kitchen garden installation. So whatever, basically whatever you need, we help you with getting started and yeah, growing. You're really teaching everything that you've learned yourself as well and then some expertise. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's brilliant. Yeah, and it is a, it's a really challenging environment, isn't it? You'd think it would be quite easy or not too difficult i mean i've made so many mistakes I'm trying to grow, grow banana palms outside for example I tried a few times they do in stavanger which is on the west coast but i tried a few times even covering them up but you know you and things like rosemary you make these mistakes yeah. don't you and without some guidance it can be quite expensive yeah it is and it's discouraging and then you just give up and that, that's what we want yeah don't want no you don't no so what exactly is a kitchen garden? It is a garden that you use to cook in your kitchen. It's close to your kitchen. Of course, it's outside the house. Like it's not a, a garden in the kitchen. I often get that question too. So it's not an indoor garden. It's an outdoor garden. But it's close to where your kitchen is located. 
so that you just kind of jump outside, grab whatever herbs or greens you need to cook dinner or make your salad. And yeah, you just use it. You It's kind of part of the house or the, yeah, your environment. An attachment of the house or an, an additional room, basically, your that's part of your lifestyle. And yeah, that just provides you with fresh ingredients for whatever whatever you eat all day long. You can start from breakfast, basically, on to dinner. I say also kitchen gardens, they derive from almost from the Middle Ages, back in the days before mass agriculture, people used to have gardens, you know, everybody used to have a garden outside of their house and they used to grow a little bit of vegetables and they used to, you know, just go outside. Well, what am I going to have for dinner? Mm -hmm. I'm going to make a, you know, a pumpkin soup. I'm going to take the squash. <laughs> I'm going to make a spaghetti squash or, you know, it's just trying to kind of bring that back. So there's kind of less... Since today, vegetables, you know, they go from, let's say, from Peru, and then they're packaged elsewhere, somewhere in China or something, and then they're shipped all the way back over here. And, you know, we're trying to cut all that out and just go for the fresh organic produce. You know what's in it. You know what you use to grow it. You know what you put in your compost. You know you didn't spray it. And so you know what you're getting. It's a lot more healthy. And I just think... Yeah, it's really, really good for the environment. It's good for people. Tastes different as well, doesn't it? When you pick something and eating it straight away from the garden, it tastes how it's supposed to taste. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and it's all so rewarding. And you do find a difference in some oh, of the yeah. things, like especially the herbs that you grow in your garden. Wow, they are so. How would you say? Uh, yeah, very <laughs> a lot more potent when they're coming from your garden than when they've, you know, sit in a plastic package for the last three weeks before, you know, they ended up in your mm -hmm. grocery store. You know, they lose all their potency, all their flavor is mm -hmm. gone. It's just, it's a lot better, I find. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I think that's also a lot, like very often the way people start, where first they start growing herbs. And then it goes towards like lettuces, greens, and then tomatoes and the, the harder plants coming. So where would you start or where would you advise somebody to start if they wanted to start their own kitchen garden and they've never done it before? If they were starting from scratch, maybe had a little bit of gardening experience, but really didn't know where to start. Where would you suggest they started or how would you suggest they started? Definitely with like what I just said, like with growing herbs and greens because they are they're easy to keep alive. <laughs> like if we really have no experience, some plants are just a bit tricky, like tomatoes and cucumbers. You have to plant them at the right time. You have to prune them and also regularly check them for diseases and things. With herbs, you're usually on the safe side because there's hardly a pest that attacks herbs. And they just, they are very, very hardy. The same with greens and greens also don't need that much sunlight. So they're much easier and simpler to just grow where, wherever you have space, basically. Yeah. So something you could start on your windowsill if you wanted to. Really. Yeah, exactly. Even yeah, yeah, outside or in, yeah, or indoors even. Yeah. And you don't need a lot of space with those plants either. You can just start with a little bucket, basically, on, on the balcony if you want, or a little planter. It doesn't have to be a whole full install kitchen garden right from the beginning if you want to try and, and learn as you go. Well, that's a good way to start, isn't it? 
So how would you go about progressing if you'd start to grow some herbs, for example, on your kitchen windowsill and then decided you would grow some things outside in a bucket, for example, Mm -hmm. like you said, and then you wanted to grow something a bit bigger and expand it a little bit. How would you go about doing that? Mm, I would always start with a like with my first like raised bed or planter. Yeah. Like we are big big fans of raised beds. I know there are controversial opinions. opinions and discussions going on about that part. But if you don't have a lot of time and not a lot of experience, you're much better off using raised beds because it's like much like less maintenance and pest issues you have to deal with than if you would grow in ground again it's easier to control also what you're putting in there in terms of your soil and your compost and you know you know exactly your your proportions yeah yeah and you can feed it when you need to can't you and keep adding to it yeah yeah exactly and i mean often we have soil conditions like our natural soil it's too poor for example like we have sandy soil here so it needs a lot of compost a lot of amendment to really grow yeah healthy and well producing vegetables and then if you would just you know create your perfect mixture put it in the raised bed and there you go it's a much easier start and more motivating and successful in the end too yeah, I love my raised beds. We've had our vegetable patch at one point in the garden, but on the ground. And I tried to do no dig, but we've got so many pine trees in the garden that they, the roots, although they, I think the tapping root is quite deep, but all the little roots are yeah. near the surface and they came straight up into the vegetable patch. And after a couple of years, yeah. it was hopeless. But yeah. now that we've got raised beds, it's so much easier to control. And we add our own compost. And I even... Yeah compost through the autumn a compost within the beds so it's yeah. spring it's great yeah. i love it it's nothing grows here in the winter <laughs> no it's same here <laughs> i wish it did <laughs> it's growing inside in the winter <laughs> exactly yeah but yeah they are brilliant aren't they but yeah do you yeah and compost as well yeah yeah we're we're using our own compost we're making our own compost there are also like there are many ways we to to create your own compost we are doing the slow wages usually because we don't have the time to flip our compost regularly to do really like hot composting mm. but about it takes about two years in our climate conditions if you don't flip it regularly but if it's if it's about two years then we have a good value so we ended up with four yeah, we have compost four buckets. Four buckets basically four buckets, yeah. that we can can fill like <laughs> continuously <laughs> and they're easy to make i made them out of old pallets and we just uh, just put our our produce in there well produce yeah. our clippings you know and yeah. i use a lot of the sawdust i use from the cedar so i kind of mix that in there with that as a an organic material composting so mm. yeah i would like to flip it a lot more Yep. But, uh, <laughs> it's hard work, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. It's definitely good exercise. <laughs> but there are somehow always like other things more more pressuring. <laughs> <laughs> now we have, we just need to get the kids have to get older and then they can do these jobs. <laughs> yes, that's a good idea. Yeah. And it's fun as well for kids, isn't it? Because the things it that is. you find in the compost things. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So many worms. 
Yeah, yeah. Didn't you used to do that when you were a child? Yeah. Weren't you always into compost? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I wouldn't say it like that, but yeah, I definitely. I was always about in my grandparents and my mom's garden, and yeah, flipping compost was just part of uh, part of spring, or and and then we put it like through uh, those big sieves yes, to make yeah. it really like fine and crumbly. That was one of the big tasks in spring, and then we made our own soil mixtures. It was just funny, like the other day I realized that my mom did it exactly the same things we were teaching now for gardenery, mm. like the soil mixture with compost and sand and topsoil. Um, I never thought about that, but that's exactly what we did. I mean, it's almost a lost art <laughs> with our generation. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, everyone from our generation, a lot from our generation are used to just going to the grocery store and, you know, where does your food come from? Mm. The grocery store. <laughs> no it doesn't <laughs> yeah you know? I think it's need to relearn again yeah how to to grow your own but also how easy it is to do it once you get started yeah. I mean even composting can be done in a kitchen can't it with these yeah the name of that Japanese system with the lactobacteria or something like that in there and you could do it in a bucket in the kitchen and it doesn't have any smell either which is something yeah. i mean i know compost you know when it's old it smells lovely doesn't it it's got that lovely earth it does, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when it's composting it's <laughs> not quite yeah. so fragrant <laughs> that's true i actually recently worked for a composting industrial composting facility i was actually the maintenance mechanic on mm. the machines and everything that they use there and very interesting very interesting processes and uh yeah, it's it's almost the same thing as what you would do at home. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Turn it and wait and turn it and wait. And and there you go. But you should say around here, we actually sell. Our municipality is actually giving away little compost mm -hmm. machines that you put in your kitchen. And what's the turnover rate on that? It was something like four four to six weeks or something. And then you actually have compost. Like, was it even that long? I don't yeah. even think. Yeah, it no, wasn't even it was that like long. Days, eh? I yeah. Think. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a really cool little machine. Mm. Incredible, and uh, I mean that's really something that's going to motivate people, isn't it, to do it? Yeah, yeah. think of all that food waste that then is not being chucked out with vegetable waste. I guess yeah, that's not being um, chucked out. Yeah. That's amazing. You can, you can use it in your own garden, and we were just talking about because some a lot or a lot of times people don't know what to do with it. Like they, they love the idea of composting, but then they don't have a garden or they don't go their own yet. And we're thinking to, we should kind of in, initiate a compost collection system for, and then to, um, yeah, to, to contribute it to the people that actually need it and yes. have gardens. Yeah, there's oh, there's so much potential in, in growing your own in the garden business. I think it's a very untapped, a very untapped market, mm. I would say at the moment yeah, an untapped skill as well and like you said a skill that's dying out maybe with our generation that needs to be brought yeah. back but I think yeah. there are a lot of people who are who are really interested and really interested in learning yeah who want to yeah. And, their yeah. own and make sure and it's a surprisingly um a lot like when we look at our clients we have like we have families and they're like, like 30s 40s but we also have a lot of older couples in their 50s and 60s that go back to gardening and actually want to learn because they never it, they, they always tell me oh yeah my, my parents did it back in the days but I never you know tried it or never had success and now that they have time 
they want to start it. And so actually some of our best clients, because they're really, you know, they're really engaged and, and motivated, they come back. And there's always a, another question and you get another email, oh, what's, what can I do now? And yeah. reviving <laughs> so back to the kitchen garden yeah what kind of location would you put it in I mean you're not going to be able to just stick it anywhere are you you know wherever you've got a gap <laughs> no I mean what, what are we looking for in terms of the best place to place it ideally the sunniest spot in your yard yeah if you want to grow tomatoes you should at least have eight hours of sunlight a day gosh as much as that yeah um, if you want to grow root vegetables, you need about like six hours and leafy greens and herbs, about four hours minimum. So it really depends. I know a lot of people live in the cities or have a lot of trees around their yard and deal with a lot of shade. So I always say it's better to like start somewhere with a garden. Just grow the stuff that is really that really matches your conditions, then not starting at all. But if you have the time, then take that time, observe your yard, observe the area around your house, and find the sunniest spot. And you can do that with creating a sun shade map, which is the always the technique I advise to use. It takes a bit of time and discipline to do it but in the end you can really figure out um, over time where the location is because like for us now the same situation for you too I think right now the sun is still relatively low on the horizon all day long with the shade I mean we have a lot of trees and hedges around too so our our kitchen garden area actually right now is very shady but we're not growing anything there right now so it doesn't matter but in about two, three months, when it really matters and the sun will be high up in the sky, the, the shade will be much less because of the different angle the sun has. And we observed that before we put the garden in. And so we figured out that actually the area over there, where you would think right now, oh no, just don't put a garden there, doesn't look good, is actually the best spot we have because it's the sunny spot in the growing season oh that's really interesting actually yeah to do a to do a shade map I hadn't yeah thought about that and then the different seasons as well because I was, yeah yeah the, it takes a bit of time but but yeah yeah you just just make a, a top few sketch basically of your house and yard yeah. make a couple of copies of it so you don't have to sketch it out every time again <laughs> and then yeah go out in the morning at eight and then again at like 12 to 1 and in the afternoon again 3 to 4 and then mark out the shade areas do it in spring in summer and in fall and winter and then you have a really really good idea of the situation around your house and uh, yeah and the other aspect is of course that you want to put the garden where you actually pass by regularly otherwise you might forget the garden and then it's just you know or you put it in the last corner of the house or the, of your garden then you just forget about it and it's not going to be nice and yeah you won't use it that much but if it's close like next to the, the driveway or you know, where you enter the house just observe how you move around in your yard 
And another aspect is the, the water connections. You don't want to put the garden far away from where your water access is. Yeah, like mine. <laughs> I have to make <laughs> yeah. journeys every day with the watering cans. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Might be fun in the beginning, but uh, yeah. when there's a drought, then it's not so much fun anymore. <laughs> so, Eric, what do you normally build your raised beds out of if you're starting a garden, a raised bed garden? Well, we've started out, I use white cedar because mm. it's indigenous to our area. I have a couple sawmills in the area, literally within, you know, 20 kilometers of where we live. So it's a fairly sustainable practice for me to go and get it. And it's very it's tough wood. It doesn't rot very easily. I mean, all wood is going to rot over time, yeah. but this wood it's, doesn't rot easily. It's resistant to a lot of bugs. Mm. Bugs don't really like it. So, I mean, given the option, I'd like to use Western red cedar, but, you know, coming from the other end of the country, it's not really a sustainable practice. So I use what we have over here. Uh, further to that, I mean, you could use metal beds, galvanized steel beds. And I think, I think it was you we were talking to one time. Yeah, yeah. How the soil inside actually gets warmer. Yeah, yeah. that was a good point. We also we could also use cordon steel. I'm not a big fan of galvanized steel because of the chemicals they use for galvanization. And also, you know, just making steel pours a ton of CO2 into the atmosphere. The galvanizing process itself pours a ton of CO2 into the atmosphere also. I like cordon steel. You make that steel, you can let it kind of weather in your garden. It looks nice when it's weathered. You know, you get it pretty thick. It'll last really really long that would be my favorite option for a steel bed and, yeah, uh, nice when they age a little bit aren't they then they look okay don't they when they're new but they always look better when they've kind of aged into the garden and they're a little mm -hmm. bit yeah rustic looking i think yeah i think they look beautiful actually just a little bit of weathering and oh they look so nice unlike like our cedar the white cedar that we use it kind of turns gray you know, if you don't protect the outside after a couple of years, it kind of turns gray. I mean, it still looks really nice. Mm -hmm. Even in our garden, it still looks really nice. Yeah. But a lot of people kind of, you know, uh, don't like that. They'd rather go for the wood look. So, yeah. yeah, you could protect the outside with a coating. Yeah. I could talk about this all day, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love talking about wood. But what do you do? Do you paint it with a varnish or a stain or something just to give it a little bit, a little bit more durability? Yeah, actually, I could use oil. What was that oil that Lin we used? Linseed. Yeah, linseed oil. That was actually yeah, from Sweden. Yeah, I got that from yeah, from, yeah. Uh, from Scandinavian countries. Yeah, <laughs> which was really nice. I mean, I do use water seal sometimes. Like it's so like almost like a plastic that you paint on the outside, but you can only use it on the outside of the bed, right? Because you don't want any leaching of that stuff into your bed or anything like that. But I tend to not use that kind of stuff. I like oils a lot better, more natural mm -hmm. materials, which are much better. I mean, you have other options because I understand people now with the economy the way it is and everything being expensive and you know, we kind of, people look for other cheaper ways to do things mm. and you know our beds are not exactly cheap they're not exactly the cheapest option out there so you know I try to 
could use hemlock for instance instead of cedar which is a lot cheaper however it will it will rot a lot faster you know you're looking at replacing those beds within five years whereas a cedar bed you know that'll last you at least what i'd say at least 10 years even longer if you took care of it yeah i mean it's all going to rot at some point isn't it yeah that's, that's it yeah. yeah i mean i guess as well you know it's an initial expense but yeah. the satisfaction and results that you get from growing everything yourself has yeah. really got to that way it hasn't it yeah and if you use the big the thick boards as we do oh yes i use i use full two inch thick boards instead of the plain stuff that you get at the hardware store I like to get rough cut from the sawmill for that reason, because you're getting, you know, your thickness at least three to five eighths thicker than you would normally get at the store. So, you know, it lasts a little bit longer. It's a little bit better. Fabulous. So what do you suggest that somebody would plant as their first plants? Then, if we're going to plant something outside, where would you start? Would you launch straight into tomatoes, melons? <laughs> I'm going to grow melons this year. <laughs> no. <laughs> they are tricky. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, not not melons. Definitely not. <clears throat> yeah, as we said before, like definitely herbs. Yeah. Parsley, uh, chives are very easy to grow. Spinach. Spinach, spinach that's true, yeah. Spinach, leafy greens, kale. Mm. I'm a big kale fan. Radishes. And the nice thing about the radishes is that they are, you know, you can watch them grow and within a month you can harvest them. Most of the other stuff takes a bit longer. So especially for beginner gardeners and if you garden with children, you want plants that, you know, just grow quickly so you can harvest quickly and see the success and have the fun. But yeah, sticking to leafy greens, root vegetables, even carrots. Carrots take a while though, but I find them relatively easy to grow if you kind of make sure that you thin them out and don't. That's probably the, problem, the seeds are so tiny. <laughs> I'm hopeless yeah. with carrots. I don't know why. <laughs> Especially in a raised bed though. We actually oh, yeah. have a client who grew a two foot carrot. Yeah, like in wow. raised, but the carrot was as tall as her child. <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah. yeah, it was really amazing, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's something that would win win at the agricultural show. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> but that shows what you can do when you have the like really good loose soil. There's nothing in there that stops the the root from growing. And yeah, that was that was a thing. That was a really good surprise when we harvested that. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> that's fantastic. So tell us a little bit as well about your kitchen garden planner, because I've got one and I love it. It's absolutely brilliant. And well, actually, I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to let you talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that planner, that's, I came up with that idea because of the initial situation we were in when we moved to Canada and there was no guideline. And I also wanted to keep track somehow of our garden success to see what did well, what was not so, what was not a big success. 
and there was just nothing just the way I wanted it on the market so I created this planner last year myself like we we started two years ago with a wall calendar because I wanted to like make the the tips like easy available for people of like when to start what seeds in our region when is our last frost date when can you plant outside because the advice we got was oh you cannot garden before like the first of june mm. and i was hang on a second <laughs> well we can um, and yeah just to uh, to make this knowledge like more available for people that they actually can go start to garden in april and yeah way into the winter like november even december you can still grow like it's not like actively grow but still harvest from your the things you planted for the fall garden and yeah and with the planner I try to make things easier I have like a seed starting um like where you can keep track of your seed starting success in there there is even a meal planner in there that you can like make notes. Okay, what are what is growing right now in my garden? What do I want to cook with it? What ingredients do I need to get from the store? So you you kind of it works out in the end. It's not it's called the garden to kitchen planner for a reason. And and I also marked out all the important dates for. I mean, the the one that I have for download is for Eastern and for Southern Ontario, which works with a lot of other regions too. I have a list online. When you go on that site, you can see that even though it's called the Eastern Ontario Planner, but it's for so many more places like in Canada and worldwide. I think it matches your your area as well. It does, yeah. It's really um, accurate and it's brilliant because I, yeah. I love the design of it. It's, it's so pretty. You. It's really nice to look at. But I love all the tips that you put on each month as well. You know, it's time to yeah. see, it's time to look at that. It's just to remind you. Exactly. Yeah. Give you advice as well if you really don't know where to start and what you need to plant. It's yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. I love so the little things, no, you just forget and on your daily basis and so oh yeah, I wanted to start a garden this year, and all of a sudden it's April and you forgot to sow those seeds and then no. Um, yeah, and with the, the planner, I hope it helps people to just keep track and stay stay put on the task too. It's a beautiful thing. And I'm going to put a link at the bottom of the podcast as well. Thank so you. Everybody can yeah. have a look and go over there and to your website and have a look at the planner and hopefully get it because it is really useful. Mm -hmm. I mean, even now, you know, we're we're into February, but that doesn't matter. Yeah, Still get and it's on, on sale right now because we're, it's already... It's I think ten dollars for the ebook. Wow! Right now, so <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> well, this has been great. Thank you very much. And is there anything else that you want to talk about with the kitchen garden and kitchen garden planning? We could like continue and go on and on. I mean, we haven't even touched really um, <clears throat> plans and planting plants and all. Yeah, there's a lot more we could talk about, but we'll probably do that in another meeting. Yeah, that's for the next one, isn't it? <laughs> that yeah. would be amazing. That's right. Well, thank you so much, Innes and Eric Batterton from My Nordic Garden, for sharing tips and secrets on how to grow a kitchen garden in our quite harsh sometimes northern climate. 
And like I said earlier, you can go to their website, which is mynordicgarden.ca and navigate from there to find their beautiful garden planner, the calendars and all the information that they have on there. There's so much. So if you're a gardener or you, maybe you want to start gardening, this is a great place to start and get some inspiration. So I suggest you grab a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and go and take a few quiet minutes and have a browse. I'm going to put the link below this podcast so you can go straight there. And I will see you in the next episode. See you soon. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Living a Nordic Life newsletters so you can get an email when I release a new episode. It's a quick and easy way to keep up with all things Nordic living. Please visit livingandordiclife.com. You can listen to Living a Nordic Life on lots of podcast apps, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and plenty of others. If you've enjoyed the Living a Nordic Life podcast, why not leave me a rating? So that's the end of Living a Nordic Life for today, and I look forward to seeing you next time.